Join us as we go beyond the pixels in the Gamer's Edge podcast, the show that takes you behind the scenes of video gaming. Each episode dives into the realms of gaming and eSports bringing you exclusive interviews with both rising stars and seasoned veterans, coaches, insightful commentators, and industry leaders. So whether you're an aspiring pro gamer, a dedicated fan, or simply curious about the inner workings of gaming and eSports, grab your headset and join us on this thrilling adventure through the virtual arenas where victory, camaraderie, and endless adventure await. What is going on, guys? We're about to strap this episode to a rocket and send it to the moon. Who better to do that with than the spaceman? Oh How are we doing today? I'm good. I don't know if you'll be able to get as far as the moon because um, that's a lot of pressure that I don't know <laughs> if I'll be able to live up to. I can get you to the like the therm the thermosphere. That's about as as high as I can get you. But I'm happy to be here, dude. Thanks for having me. Um, I've enjoyed. I'm speaking briefly about um, Flame Sword. And, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of the guests you've had so far on this. So I'm very grateful to be here. Oh, thank you for, for taking the time. Uh, again, shout out Flamesword, uh, who was just in the previous episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that one and definitely are trying out those next day oats that he was recommending. Oh, yeah. Shout out to, to Flame for, for dropping that in on us. Uh, of course, you probably have casted some of Flames, talked with him personally, especially now that status quo is, of course, in that Halo spectrum, yeah, you've been a caster for Call of Duty, Rocket League, Halo, mm -hmm. you know, a, a very broad, eclectic group of uh, broadcasting skills that you do bring. So jumping right into it, how do you adapt your style to fit each game, and what are some of the challenges that you've seen uh, come up trying to balance that? Um, yeah, I mean, it's that is that's a good question because I think I also get that a lot from. Um... From younger talent coming up in the scene um especially those who are, are keen and, and self-aware enough to be open to the idea of doing multiple games and it's not a negative if you don't do multiple games like i think the ideal world just for like a baseline for most people is being able to work one game to support yourself um but in esports and just kind of how things are obviously like being flexible and being able to be a utility player in different scenes is really big um but the the balance comes i think it's a lot easier to balance multiple games when you love those games like for me i grew up with call of duty and halo uh and gears of war when it was around so um it was really it was it was definitely difficult it's there's there's a lot of like load management and um and pushing yourself to different extremes there is a bit a bit of like um, like kind of like when you're working out and you're like pushing yourself to that next level. And it's like, I can't do the last rep, but you have to same thing here. Um, there are times where it's, it's a bit much to do multiple titles, but if you genuinely love the game, like for me, call of duty and halo and rocket league. Uh, and if I ever am working more like, uh, MLB or, um, when gears was around, same thing, it's like the love for the game, uh, and, and telling those stories, um, will push you through the fact that you're juggling multiple games and all the work that goes into that. But I think the big takeaway is it's really important to focus on like, what are the intrinsic qualities that make an esport really exciting for any esport? So whether that's Rocket League or Call of Duty or Halo, like what are the things about it that make it exciting? And then can you, can you 
grab part of that, mix it in with the cadence and 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 frequency that's specific to that esport. What works? What style do you bring into it? Uh, uh, intrinsically from yourself, all that kind of stuff. So you kind of have to you have to be able to watch as well as you listen. I think that's the big takeaway is like listening to a game and how it's called and how it's and how it flows and everything that is as important as like actually casting the game. So um, the balances can, especially for young talent, can you listen to how the game sounds and how it moves? Cause every esport moves differently. And then if you can capture that and bring your own flair to it, you'll be just fine. Um, so for me, it's just constantly listening, um, uh, changing approach to some extent for different games, but FPSs have skills that transfer. Um, yeah. But really it's just like, every game is like its own unique like rubik's cube and if you can solve it while you know while you're working it that's kind of the benefit so uh it, it it it's it's a lot but it's worth the reward because the reward is you get to cast over a game you really like yeah i've been casting call of duty for a while now and i actually just maybe a month and a half ago started casting rocket league and it's been really refreshing and what kind of pulled me in personally mm -hmm. is where casting challengers call of duty that younger talent it almost gets a little toxic at times because everybody sure. is just you know mm -hmm. wanting grinding to to push themselves to be the best and a little bit of that i guess comes out in the egos to where sure. with rocket league man the organizations have all been super welcoming the orgs all seem to kind of work together and everybody just wants everybody to flourish. And mm. it's been at least my experience in it has been really, really refreshing in taking a part of that. And the fan bases have been super awesome to, to see as well. Uh, and not, not to take mm. away from call of duty fan bases where you're wearing an optic hat and I'm in, I live in Texas. I'm a big optic fan as well. So sure. we, we know we're king of esports fan bases. Yes, that's a shot at face. Uh, but yeah, that's true. Uh, I I just think that the Rocket League for me, what's drawn me in is the fan base. Yeah. And you were talking about finding that that solving that Rubik's cube, and the fan bases for me has been that that solving issue on mm -hmm. which one I've been enjoying more. Uh, yeah. My my next lead into that, I, I gotta ask. Fort Worth going on right now. You're wearing the Optic hat. Is formal mm -hmm. and the boys are they taking it this weekend? Um, I want to. I'm gonna say yes because I mean I'm an Optic fan. I uh, <clears throat> I always support the Optic boys um, whenever they're playing. Um, I'm gonna say yes because obviously like that squad is the capability to win it. But I think uh, I think the benefit right now of having having Phase and Sentinels be as as great as they are at the moment. Like I think that's really good for the scene. It's good for Halo overall when there's when there's multiple teams that can win it all and not like as fun as it is as an optic fan last year to watch them like win champs and to and to go on kind of that run. It was great. But I know that the scene thrives more when optics competitive and when other really big heavy hitters are competitive as well. So um I I think optic can do it. Will they do it? It's entirely different discussion and uh i'm excited to see how this weekend plays out um but i think competitive halos in like the it's in the right spot before we head into champs in september um so i don't know i think this is going to be their biggest test because if they don't do it here they will probably face they will be feeling the most pressure they felt since maybe midway through last year 
um, post scrims where they were having like it was clear they could win any event, but they were just having trouble like putting it together on land. Um, and then they went on their run. So it's a big weekend. I think the boys can do it, but they they're gonna have to earn the victory. They're gonna really have to work for it. So I'm excited to see it. I completely agree. Uh, uh, I'm not gonna lie because of course I put it out there on on Twitter. I hope Optic does it. Mm. I I have Space Station because Bound and the boys are just mm -hmm. they're on one right now. They mm -hmm. they've caught lightning in a bottle, and it's it's gonna be tough to break that momentum. I do have Optic placing second. Uh, of course, followed yeah. by Phase, but I'll throw a wild card in. I, I have Quadrant. Uh, a little Quadrant's bit a good shout. Sentinels, so no, Quadrant is a good shout for top four. I think like that's it, that's really fair and very reasonable. Um, like SSG, it's it's SSG winning on their home turf in Salt Lake was great. It was great for storylines, but it was great for kind of like you know just the scene overall. It's like all right, like. Because it's it's it feels like it's rare when a team kind of hosts an event and then win it as well. So it was nice to see SSG um, hitting their stride at the right time, kind of like what Optic did last year. But Quadrant is a great shout as a as a full like it's like kind of like EU's last hope at this point. Quadrant yeah, is yeah. a like th those boys have proven they can be top six consistently, top four regularly. Um, and uh, yeah, they could. I mean, they I think they're just the dark horse in every tournament. They could easily get to the grand finals. It just came down to the them executing in, on game day, but that's a good shout. I think they could easily make top four for sure. Well, we've talked about the evolution of Optic from last year and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it, with all your extensive experience in the eSports industry, have you seen it evolve over the years? And where do you see it hitting, you know, going into the next decade? eSports as a whole? eSports as a whole. Oh, I'm, man. The whole yeah. enchilada. Um, yeah, I mean, it has evolved over the, it's, it's evolved over the past couple of years. Um, I think it went from esports from 2015 to around 2017, 18, I would say around like in the, uh, midway through 2019, <clears throat> um, esports was kind of hitting its, its stride before COVID. Um, it's, uh, it's not as big as it is now. I think it's bigger now than it was back then, but things have changed. Not all things are weighted the same. Back then, it was still speculative as it, speculative as it is now, um, and the money was not pumped in. There was still investments being made. Obviously, there were opportunities that were sprouting up, but um, things felt a little bit more, we're still laying the brick and mortar to the house. Um, and when COVID hit, investments got funneled in, money got pushed around, speculative investments happened. Um, a lot of pumping happened. So we went from building the foundation and like being on the right track of building the foundation with the right people involved to COVID, inflated numbers, inflated everything. And instead of laying more of the foundation, we just started rushing, putting the walls up and like putting the roof on the place. And then we were trying to sell the house to everybody. And the house looked good, because I mean, like we we did the work to get it to stand. The house looked good, but one or two storms come by and the house crumbles, and that's what we're seeing now. So, um, yeah, we, that, like everything was on the right track, and COVID kind of, you know. Yeah, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but that, that's kind of why know. I wanted to to open it to the entire esports because we saw mm. Valorant put out a report that they saw a dip and their numbers for their championships you know the viewing numbers and everything like that 
Of yep. course, we see the drama going on with the Overwatch League, and of course, Activision potentially might be having to refund some of those organizations as well. Uh, everything that's going on with the Call of Duty League now, the speculation of will there continue to be a league with the the Xbox Microsoft, you know, acquisition. So it, it's it's just like you said. I felt like we were we were moving in the right direction. People were starting mm-hmm. to take it serious. And then when COVID hit and everybody didn't have anything to do, so video games were the were the go to. We just yep. saw corporations throwing money at it and now yeah. kind of, you know, reeling it back in. But uh, unfortunately, investments have already been made to a point where, uh, unfortunately, these esports teams are, are suffering the consequences of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's essentially it. Um, when COVID happens, inflation, not only in numbers, but in, in value estimations, like propositions were just not there. Uh, a lot of money, a lot of suits and ties came in. And it's not like it's not an inherent negative because there are a lot of good suit and ties that work in esports, but oh, yeah. there were a, a, a noticeable amount of of people and and uh, and in situations where teams or orgs or leagues or whatever were getting valued at way more uh, speculative than what they had before and way more broad in terms of what they thought they were providing in terms of the value proposition they were providing to fans. Um, and it was just kind of false money. Like it's, it is, it is eerily similar to what happened in 2008 with the housing market crash. It is like, it's, it's almost scary how similar it is. Um, so, you know, when, when things return to normal, either people are no longer interested or people go back to normal life, quote unquote, post COVID, um, when people either no longer have interest in specific games or leagues or just the normal ebb and flow of competition and and how industries grow like there was there was no one there was no programs to back the investments people were making two there was no actual like tangible uh uh point of sale to give any meaning to what the money was pumping in like we were pumping money into stuff without giving anything out to fans to whatever so it's just like when there's no value there and you take all that money away suddenly because COVID's ended and uh, because inflation starts rising, like where, what's now the value we're giving to everybody else. We didn't, we never addressed that as a industry and we tried to, people tried to, but the money was coming in so quickly that people just started building and building and building um, and, and saying we're worth this and we're doing this. And then when, when we pulled the curtain back and realized there was nothing underneath that was actually supporting these claims, um, and the money started to dry up, things collapse. So uh, it's, 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 I think, you know, we're seeing the bubble burst. We've been not, we've been talking for a while um, in esports about like, where, what is the bubble? What's the bubble consist of? Will it burst at some point? And the, the right minds were always the ones saying the bubble was, you know, people who are making large investments or people in esports who uh, are kind of gaming the system, taking advantage of the system because they can make a quick buck and get out. And that's exactly what happened. Um, so the bubble's bursting because we're seeing exactly what we feared would happen, um, which is unfortunate because there's a lot of good people lower than the, the investors and the people pushing money. And there are people underneath who are like the passionate, hardworking people, the people who have been here since the beginning who are getting screwed because of it. So um, in terms of if leagues are gonna exist, I think they will. I think the Activision Microsoft acquisition 
is great because Microsoft has like a, a robust, massive department um, for cultivating good communities and giving and it'll give some stability to these leagues that they need. Um, but it's going to take some time. Like it's going to take a couple of years to kind of see what the the end residuals will be of this situation of this bursting. So uh, it's just it's a rough time to be in esports, but there are still really good people trying to navigate it and make it work. Uh, and we haven't lost what we had back in 2015 and 2019. We still have that. We just have to rebuild part of it. So I love to get your take on it because for for the younger viewers who, of course, have only seen Sean through Rocket League and stuff like that, this man has been mm -hmm. putting in work with MLG and everything like that back in the day. This man has been mm -hmm. putting in his time here in esports. Uh, so I value his opinion extremely highly uh, on matters like this so i love to get his take on it now of course yeah. we talked about you working with mlg everything like that another passion that you have though is filmmaking and you're now actually <laughs> an award-winning filmmaker yeah do you want to go ahead and touch <laughs> on that just a little bit before i get into this next question for you sure um it's it's a weird classification i don't I, I am legally allowed to call myself that I do. I've, like I, I, I do want to, at some point, uh, get more into like heavy filmmaking and actually like direct something. It is, it is a small passion that has kind of grown. Um, but, uh, I, I make YouTube content and I have for a while and I just, within the past couple of years, start taking it seriously. Uh, and, uh, I try to go for like cinematic, more cinematic content than just like video commentary because i'm a fan of cinematic stuff um and yeah so one of my videos got picked up by a film festival and it got nominated so it was designated as a short film um so when that happens i had to like in order to like accept the award i would like i had to be legally designated as like a short filmmaker so I, i've run with that um but it you know it's it it doesn't i don't i don't like walk around or sit here and be like i've I'm like producing stuff. It's just more of like, I got lucky with something and uh, they designated as that. It's awesome. I'm very appreciative, uh, but I don't feel like anything's changed. I'm just like still working on the next video. So just, I just feel like a really dumb YouTuber. Uh, that's <laughs> well, about hey, it. You know, sometimes that's all it takes is, is somebody saying, Hey, you got a knack for this. And the next thing sure. you know, you know, that next door opens. Mm. Uh, but of course, now with the filmmaking and esports commentary, how mm -hmm. do you find the worlds of film and competitive gaming intersecting? Do your skills in one in the cinematics and everything like that, does that enhance your work with the video gaming? Yeah, it definitely does. Um, I think there's like a there's a lot of like a lot of good filmmaking in my eyes is kind of what you can convey with perspective and and silence I, i'm a big fan of silence um so i've always had a just a different approach to my commentary and not that it's some groundbreaking evolution because it's not but um one of the things that i've always been fascinated by with commentary is when a situation pops up in game there's usually like five or six different ways you can express a situation verbally um, because like, you know, you see the same thing a thousand times. So if you're seeing something you've seen a million times, you, everybody kind of expresses it in like one of 10 ways. And that's just kind of like human nature, but also just kind of how you express it. And one of the things that I've always been a fan of is like, when I see a situation that I've seen before, 
instead of expressing it one of 10 ways, what's like a really unique way to, to say it? Or like what, what combination of synonyms or syllables will make this sound different, but familiar? Like what, what is a perspective I can bring or find that is not what you hear? So that's always been a big thing for me. And filmmaking has opened my eyes more to kind of that world of like, it's all about how you frame things. And it's all about what you don't say that can do the most. Um, so it's being more kind of analytical with my time and more uh, looking at things more abstractly in film has allowed me to pull that into commentary and like reinforce what I was doing already. But um, let silence work for me in commentary. That's a big thing. Um, and it sounds really, really simple, but like the power of silence in big moments is really great. So implemented a little bit of that more uh, this year for some of our calls. But yeah, just using... Uh, the the repetition of perspective and 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 figuring out that in filmmaking has been a nice change for commentary because it's allowed me to like just think more creatively about the way I call stuff and not just about make the call perfect make it as clean as possible all those things still trying to obviously do but um I'm trying to now be a little bit more creative with how I disseminate information which I think is it's a good little hurdle to get over because it just makes it adds another layer another layer to the commentary pool so yes well out of of course you just came back you were there at worlds mm -hmm. uh for rocket league and everything like that out of all the matches that you've commented on from here at worlds to mlg days back in the day uh mm-hmm is there one that kind of stands out a little bit more than all the others? And how is it now casting worlds to compare mm -hmm. to being that novice back then? Like what, what are maybe some, some tips for a guy like me who's still casting, you know, your, your discord leagues and everything like that. Sure. Um, well, a bit, I mean, the, the biggest thing I think is, is, self-belief is a big thing like if if you if you believe in yourself to be able to do it and and you know that you can and i know that sounds like just super cliche and super dumb but like it's, it is true like if you if you like the craft of it and you're doing it and you believe that you can do it and and you see that path forward and you're like you know what i, I even if it takes a lot of grinding and a lot of refinement i know i can do this because i can feel it like that's huge uh, there are a lot of people who jump into commentary who do pretty well and then you know they either lose their love for it or they they feel like they can't see themselves doing it long term and then they jump out and that's fine but um the big thing is like if you can like just you know you can kind of feel it you're like i know i can i can do this and and get good at it that's huge that is like that will just get you going through everything um uh and and you know i i started my career doing online leagues casting over eights like uh casting over my friends playing the game and, and sitting out of when we would do uh when we would do uh, cod ghost eights i would just pull myself out of, i would uh i would sit on the bench for the for like that rotation i'd stop playing and then sit and have somebody else fill in for in the game during the game and uh and then just cast my friends playing so from that like those were like those were the discord leagues back in the day um doing like mlg uh uh ladders and stuff like that like 
uh, everybody kind of starts in the trenches and that's like the best way to start is in the passion pit. That's the passion pit, whether it's you're at a local and there's like 128 teams and you're, you're dead center inside of it, or you're doing it online and you're just doing it because it's like the only thing you have to cast that is the passion pit. So that's like going to propel you so much further than people who, uh, who only expect to do big stuff when they jump in, like the passion pits massive. Um, but to kind of hit back real quick on the question, um, I mean, the, the, they're the standout obviously this year, like the Carmine series with with achieves for the win for the quarterfinals at Worlds was big just because in terms of like a technical approach and and clean commentary and what we wanted to hit on, that was big because we proved that we could do it at the big stage, which was great. Um obviously the roll one overtime was like really important to me and Isaac because it was just a historic moment and and it was fun. But the the one thing that I think the one call or the, no the one uh, series the one like thing that stands out most because um, there's been a lot of games in my career that nothing that's ever been like career making I have never had like a series that's been like it's, oh my god like just blow my name up anything like that but the thing that has meant the most to me was I think my first cast with MLG which was uh, for Gears of War my first MLG event overall was. Um, Gears of War New Orleans in 2018 um and I got brought on to to work the event and my first cast in front of like that size crowd and that size event um and for the MLG banner which was a massive deal at the time uh and and still a massive deal to me okay. um and uh I went in and did my thing and did not fuck it up and uh that was like I was like oh my god I didn't fuck it up and I thought I did a pretty good job um and the reception was great so like that's the one that stands out to me is like the most important because i i figured out i was like oh i can do this i can actually do this so uh that was the one for sure nice well you did mention mlg you mentioned gears of war so just mm -hmm. to let everybody know the next episode we are going to be getting a slight little treat we're getting the winningest gears of war coach on mm. console we're getting mm. complexity ashes Ashes is great man. on the next episode so make sure you tune in for that one guys he's a great dude now is there any upcoming projects or ventures be it in the filmmaking in the gaming or any other fields mm. that you're just stoked about that you're just like damn man i can't wait for this um in terms of gaming at the moment nothing uh i'm potentially well there, i'm actually potentially hopeful later this year to do some stuff um so I'm, I'm looking forward to that but um filmmaking i i just kind of take it as it comes I, i'm i'm working on uh a different approach to a discussion so for oppenheimer i'm going to do like a sit down with some some people and talk about science which i'm actually looking forward to um because it's a very different approach but um other than that i mean not really i just kind of take things as they happen uh outside of work and just kind of trying to make videos my life is uh pretty quiet so um yeah things just kind of happen with me i just they just kind of pop up so there's nothing actually on the horizon at the moment it's, uh to not to look forward to but just nothing crazy that i'm uh super amped about just yeah. kind of here well then i i gotta ask how did you happen into doing some voice acting because of course voice mm -hmm. acting for video games it's kind of its own distinct like art form uh, mm -hmm. And of course, for those that don't know, you played Ethan uh, mm -hmm. in a video game. Uh, so how was your experience doing that 
and did you kind of lean on your commentary experience in order to do this voice acting? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's really hard. Um, and I knew that going in and I, and it's a challenge that's really fun to tackle. Um, I am by no means a great voice actor. Um, and I'm by no means, uh, I think I'm a little better at it than I was when I went in, but like nowhere close to, to like feeling confident to immediately go for auditions, but it is, it is something I would want to pursue more. Um, it was a huge learning curve because it's, it's very different from casting. It's like, it's weird. They give you a script and then they ask you to like be a human being and like emote. And if you've ever been asked to do an emotion, it's a strange experience when you're not doing it naturally. It's a really weird thing to have somebody say like, say this line, this person's dying. We need you to be panicked and you can like do it. But the biggest hurdle I found was like, do I even know how to be a human being? Do I know how to like make <laughs> noises and like make emotions? So it was a very big learning curve. Um, I always, I always had a huge amount of respect for voice actors because I knew how difficult it was and how little like they got respect for it. Um, and because working with your voice, it's just like, you just learn things about yourself and kind of how the business is. Um, so it was always just a fascinating avenue and then doing it just the amount of, the amount of appreciation I have for those who are good at it, it just raised. And now when I listen to games, the, one of the first things I listen to is the voice acting. And like, if, if somebody's really good at it, it just, it's, you can tell how difficult it is to do it. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was really enjoyable. It was really, really fun. Um, but it was definitely a, a challenge and a, a bit of a massive learning experience and a very welcomed, uh, humbling experience. Not that I thought I was going to be great at it, but it was like, when you realize you're really, really new at something and it takes like a lot of uh, training and it takes a lot of like constructive criticism, that's like my favorite thing because you're just learning. Like you're, you're learning how to now do this thing that you didn't do before. So um, it was nice to like go in and realize that I didn't know what like, it, like, you know, I, I can get my voice, but there are things that you just never would have thought of or like ideas or ways to approach giving a voice line that that are so different than everything else so it was nice to go in and be completely humbled it was really fun um but yeah it was a great experience uh definitely hope to do more of it nice well my partner in crime that does the music for the intro to this uh podcast and everything like that he's actually graduating we're, we're in end of august early september right now mm -hmm. he actually is graduating full sail university here in just oh, a few yeah. weeks uh and he actually wants to make video game music so maybe mm -hmm. y'all can collab and do it's something a big market video game yeah yeah uh, absolutely video game music is just as important as the as the uh the voice acting video game music is so important so i'm, I'm excited to hear what he's what he's able to come up with because ooh, good video good video game music can change a game it's really good definitely now with course the world of filmmaking mm -hmm. now you're doing voice acting you're doing all this commentary you're doing mm -hmm. youtube videos you're doing all this stuff how do you manage stress and burnout and what advice do you give to someone expiring ex trying to to uh aspire in these fields to keep that passion going and, and not lose mm -hmm. themselves um, yeah, I mean, I think the biggest, the biggest takeaway is one, you kind of t take things as they come and, and don't always try to force stuff. So like, I, I kind of, I, I you know, commentary has been my thing for the past decade. Um, and then when I felt I was able to and ready to, I started trying to do YouTube. And now that and I was doing commentary on YouTube. And then when I felt I was able to, 
uh, I started doing uh, some voice acting stuff. So you kind of take things as they come and, and not necessarily forcing it. So if you're trying to start out or you're just trying to figure out how to build your resume or your brand, don't like jump into 30 different things. Just focus on one thing that you are really passionate about or, or really good at. Do that. And then when the time, and you'll know when the time comes, but when the time comes that you want to do more or you're offered to do more, then you you tackle that however you want to. But, um, you know, I think it's a lot of it is keeping the passion up. It's like I, I, I'm passionate about all this stuff. So it's easy to get me, it's easy to get myself to do it. There are days where I don't obviously, you know, want to do stuff. There are days where it's like, I don't want to get up and do stuff. But um, the amount of investment I've already made to myself and to my career and 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 the commitment I've made to, to doing stuff gets you through those days. Um, and, you know, the burnout, the burnout definitely happens. Um, you know, it when you're in it, you know, that like, oh, I don't, I don't want to fly here and do this. And I know it sounds like super pretentious and I don't mean it that way. It's like, you know, there, there are days where you, if you, if you've booked back to back online events and then you have to go fly somewhere and do something and you come back and you're already booked again, that can be really tough on the mental. Cause you're not getting a lot of time to like decompress your brain and just like sit. Um, so that's been, that is definitely a hurdle. It doesn't get easy to get through burnout, but I think the important thing one is to pace, even when you're booked, even when you're chasing a bunch of different gigs or doing a bunch of different gigs or whatever the case may be, if you're constantly on the move mentally, try to pace yourself and keep yourself in the moment. Remind yourself of like, you only have to focus on today. Tomorrow can wait. Just focus on what you're doing today. Take it as a normal day-to-day -day business operation and get through it. Um, and then remind yourself kind of why you're doing it, because when things get really hectic, as hectic as it is, you can get through it and you're going to look back and be glad that you did everything you did. Um, so, you know, if, if it's a lot of events booked back to back to back or just X, Y, and Z, whatever it is, like you'll be happy you did it and your resume will be very happy you did it. Um, so pace yourself and remind yourself that, uh, just take it a day at a time and enjoy the process. Don't stress so much about the work. Just enjoy what you're doing um, and and take it one step at a time. Um, that's really been the best way for me to get through burnout is to kind of remind myself of like why everything's happening um, and to like not push myself, just kind of take it in stride. So uh, yeah, just kind of keep yourself self-aware. That's that's the big thing. Like if you have, if you have a good self-aware meter, like let it, let it, work for you. Let it, uh, let it help you figure out and navigate some of those situations, but pacing's huge and, uh, tackle what you can. Don't jump into a billion different things cause you will burn yourself out. And also you'll end up not doing great in every aspect. So, you know, uh, you want to give the best that you got to what you're doing. So take it, a, take it one step at a time and, uh, and, you know, focus on one thing, then two things, then three, but take it slow. Nice. Yeah, I've never met anybody that's went through their entire life that they just loved every day of work. So mm -hmm. that's great, great advice because even doesn't matter how much you enjoy doing something, there's some days when you just don't want to get up yeah. out of bed. And yeah. that's just human nature. So great, great advice. Mm -hmm. Now, you do have a background in marketing and consumer behavior. Mm -hmm. uh, do you want to tell us kind of where you went to school and everything like that for that? that background but before mm -hmm. i jump in and ask you here on uh well i guess i'll, I'll go ahead and just i'll jump sure. jump the shark here uh you do have the background in marketing and consumer behavior so how do you feel this education has influenced your approach into the gaming industry as a whole yeah it's i mean it's helped in some cases and it hasn't helped in others um i went to school at towson for all four years four and a half actually um 
And for the first three, three and a half years, I was actually a astrophysics major. So I had nothing to do with what I have now and nothing to do with esports. Um, and I was already working in esports at the time. And I knew that that's what I wanted to do. The problem with astrophysics is one, you can't get a job unless you have a master's or a PhD. And I didn't want to go back to school. So it's kind of pointless to be doing that. And two, astrophysics just naturally didn't have anything to do with, with esports. So when I realized that even as a backup, I couldn't have this degree because I wouldn't be able to get hired. Um, I switched it to my minor, which was marketing, and I made marketing my major around my third or fourth year. Um, luckily, I'd already done a bunch of classes to help with the credits, so it worked out. Um, but marketing, like, I don't use it in like my day to day. Like, I use it internally. I don't use it physically in my day to day when I'm casting. When I'm casting or going to events or like performing, I'm not using it. But with how with how I push content, with how I market myself to others, to to brands, to uh, organizers, uh, with how I approach a lot of the ecosystems in esports, with how I view the landscape and stuff, like having an idea of what goes into marketing or just it, people relationships. A lot of marketing is about consumer behavior, which was an aspect that I was really into in college. Um, it's not just about like selling a product or selling the idea of a product to somebody, but it's about understanding why people are the way they are, how they view things, their tendencies, the way that their personalities affect the way that they interact. Like consumer behavior is a massive part of marketing. Um, and just kind of having that swim around in the noodle for a while, um, it can kind of help you navigate situations and just give you a better perspective on like the overall industry and stuff. So um, it's it's been a pass. It's kind of as, as like abilities. It's like a passive ability. Like it, it works in the background while I focus on other things. Um, but I'm not actively using it in, uh, as in a, like if I was at a marketing job, which I had in, in college, um, like I was using it there because it was, I had to be marketing stuff. But, uh, you know, in esports, like it just, it kind of works in the background. Um, but I don't use it actively every day. And I think you'll get that from a lot of people in esports with their, uh, with their, um, their degrees. There's actually a lot of people in esports who are like science degrees, which is nice. Like there's biologists, there's physis, uh, physicists, there's um, bioengineering. Like there's so many people who come from sciences. That's it's really interesting the pattern that's there. But uh, yeah, in the day to day, I don't necessarily use it as much as uh, maybe other people. Uh, well, a big reason I ask is some some people don't even think like, of course, a commentator. You were marketing yourself and marketing your mm -hmm. name, so that, that's definitely one of the big reasons why I had to ask. Yeah. Uh, of yeah. course, being in a similar boat as well, it, it's great knowledge for me as well. And of course, our viewers probably, if you're watching this, you're you're into esports, you're probably streaming and everything like that, trying to market yourself. So, uh, marketing man. Now, my last question to you, because of course, I. I I said about 20, 30 minutes. You've been gracious enough to even give me more time than that. So of I course. do want to say thank you. Mm -hmm. my, my last question for you is, in a relatively young age, you've achieved quite a lot in the esports realm and just in life in general. So what is your met message or your legacy do you hope to leave behind in not just this world, but esports? Uh, and mm -hmm. you know, what do you hope to help inspire that next generation? Um, that's a good question. Um, <clears throat> I think, I mean, I think that one of the big things is like, try not to think too much about just as, as general advice from anybody in the space. Don't think too much about your age. Um, it's something that like it's, it is just, 
in all professional aspects. It is just a number. Like yeah, there are a lot of there are a lot of young people in esports who have accomplished a lot and it, who are who are uh, veterans of the space and like uh, some of the first people I'd go to with questions about stuff or like the first people I would recommend with about for stuff about stuff because they have the experience. Experience is the big thing. Um, so, uh, you know, it's it's I feel older than I am because I've been here for so long and I've worked and I've worked with people who are older than me for a long time and stuff. So I don't feel my age, but, uh, or I don't feel mentally my age, but I think the big thing is, is one, like obviously stay passionate about esports because esports is like one of the best things on the planet. So like if, if you stay passionate, you can make it in this business and stuff like that. But I think the, the kind of impact I guess I want to have is one kind of give people a chance to uh i'm a really big advocate for supporting like local commentators and supporting that tier two system because when i was coming up in like the like the tier three systems the tier twos those didn't really obviously exist so like supporting that is something i'm very passionate about because that's where i cut my teeth and that's where you had to cut it back then um and i think there's a lot of programs that should exist that don't yet for tier two and tier three commentators that would really help them develop their skills and give them a chance to figure out if, if they're going to make it in the business or not. Um, so other than that, I mean, it's, it's really weird. Like I'm a very simple guy. Like I, I come from a really simple background. So uh, my impact is, I guess the legacy I want to leave is did good work was nice to people and uh, brought something different to the table not to revolutionize anything, but was enjoyable to to listen to. So I think that's, I'm very simple like that. Like I just, I kind of want to just stay this like 13 year old passionate kid about esports and just do the job, uh, try to earn the respect from my peers, uh, do a good job so that hopefully people like it. Um, and then, uh, and and help people along the way and just make the space a little bit easier to navigate for people who are coming up. So uh, I'm not trying to like, you know, blow the doors down or like revolutionize commentary or uh, anything like that. Uh, I do hold myself to standards and I hold myself to the ability to like, I would love to obviously like be one of the best at some point. And like, you know, I, I hold myself to that standard as my own competitive spirit. But, uh, you know, with with all the chaos in the world and all the the craziness, just don't add to it. That's kind of my philosophy It's just... Don't add to this to the nonsense. So, yeah, uh, I just want to help people, and uh, I want to do the job, love the job that I do, and help people figure out their own careers and and help them if they need help. So, I guess that's the legacy I want to leave is just uh, be a good person. Nice. Well, we said we're gonna strap the show to a rocket, and you didn't think we were gonna get to the <laughs> mood, but I think we we went way past. Oh, the I'm mood. glad you this, think so. This episode <laughs> has been amazing, uh, and I, I'll say this: every guest that we've had so far from mm. rain day to bow he's great to he's great. yourself to flame sword it has been the nicest group of people who everybody just wants to help that next group coming mm -hmm. up and and faith in humanity has been restored through this <laughs> podcast alone so i cannot thank you guys enough for coming on and, and talking with me and the goal for this show is it, it's said, you know, 
conversations beyond the screen. And my biggest thing, what my legacy that I want is to be able to shine a light and show everybody that and everybody is human because I see mm-hmm. a lot of times you see if, say, somebody has a bad game. Uh, we saw it, of course, with with Optic and, you know, Illy and all that stuff, how quickly fans will start bashing a player. Sure. And it's like, man, yeah, they're still a human being at the end of the yeah. day, you know. And so I, I want to remind people of that. And hopefully they can find that 13 year old kid that loved playing video games as well. And get back to that, uh, and, yeah. and that's uh, that's what y'all have been allowing me to do. So I cannot thank you guys enough for giving me this this chance to to bring this into the world. Uh, oh, so- thanks for thanks for having us, and me as well. Like, thank you for for telling these kinds of perspectives. I think it's really important, and you're gonna love Ashes. He is a wickedly intelligent guy and super super nice. So I, I'm looking forward to that episode. He's really awesome. Nice. Well, is there anything you want to say out to the fans or anything? Do you think Vitality is going to repeat again? <laughs> um, that's a tough question. Uh, from the roster rumors I've been told that I can't share publicly, uh, it's going to be a very, very competitive season. But I think Vitality, yeah, I think they could do it. I think if any team that's existed in the modern era, I think Vitality can 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 repeat. But um, support good people in esports support the podcast come on like don't make me show up at your house support the podcast um and uh and uh enjoy good games because i think a lot of times in the esports shuffle with all the chaos that's happening we forget that like we're just gamers who want to watch the best gamers play games and then do crazy shit on those games so like support esports support the stuff you like be a good fan don't bash a player they're human like just be nice to people that's it cool you heard it here first guys be a good human being, yeah, please. Be we are begging you. But I do, again, can't say thank you enough. Make sure if you did not catch any of the episodes, make sure you go back and watch the previous episodes with everyone. We do have more mm-hmm. content coming at you. Of course, like we said, Ashes is going to be episode number five. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned. We do have some more great episodes. Spaceman, Sean, I can't Dude. thank you enough for, for coming in. And until next time, guys, peace.